It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Karis. And there are some um, worksheets for the children. If someone wouldn't mind um, passing them round, they're on clipboards at the back. I wonder, thank you, Gabriel. That would be great. I think they're on the shelf on the right at the back of the pews there for any of the younger ones that want a, a worksheet to help them engage with the teaching this morning. Now, if you could change one thing about your life, I wonder what it would be. Don't shout out, uh, but just have a think about that question for a minute. If you could change one thing about your life, what would it be? What's the thing that keeps you awake at night, longing for or worrying about? What's the thing you most often share for prayer? What do you invest your time, your energies, your money in? Maybe you'd love to be married. Maybe the thing you're longing for is a change of career. Maybe you'd love to change something about your body. For children, uh, maybe you'd love to be at a different school. Or maybe just not be in the same class as that difficult person anymore. It could be almost anything. But the point is that often we want to change our circumstances, don't we? We often want to change our circumstances. That's the thing we long for. That's the thing we pray for. The thing that we think would make all the difference to our happiness and our thriving in life. And if that's right, if you're one of those many people who would love to change your circumstances, Paul's teaching this morning might come as a bit of a challenge to you. It's really a one-point sermon this week. It's applied in a number of different areas of life. But the basic point is this. Stay as you are. Stay as you are. That comes through in the first verse, the middle verse and the last verse of that little passage that Karis just read for us. Have a look down again. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. 
In verse 20, he says, each person should remain in the situation they're in when God called them. And just in case we haven't got the point, in verse 24, brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Do you get the point? Stay as you are. Don't think that changing your circumstances is the most important thing. The most important thing is serving God whatever your circumstances. Now look, um, exceptions will apply. It's not an absolute rule, we'll come on to that. But the basic principle is clear, isn't it, in those verses. Don't think that changing your circumstances is going to solve every problem, make you a better Christian, bring you ultimate happiness. Sometimes we think we need to change our circumstances because we've become a Christian. But there's no template for what a Christian's life should look like in terms of their outward situation. It's not more Christian to be married or single or to have one job or another or to look a certain way or whatever. In fact, Paul emphasises our individual situations. Did you notice how he repeats the word each? Actually, in verse 17, it's there twice in the original language, as the Lord has assigned to each, as, just as God has called each. Verse 20, each person should remain in the situation they're in when God called them. Verse 24 says exactly the same. You see, we're all different, and we should each live out our Christian calling in our different circumstances rather than thinking that we should all become the same. In fact, the only question that really matters is this one. Have you been called by God? Have you been called by God? That's Paul's way of saying, have you become a Christian? It's God who chooses us to be his. And the way he does that is by changing our hearts, by showing us who he is, bringing us to call on Jesus. He used the language of call several times back in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. Just turn back there now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Are you there? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And in verse 2, he says he's writing, verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified that is made holy in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. How do we know if we're called by God? Well, we are those who call ourselves. Uh, on the name of Jesus. We depend on the name of Jesus. That language of call is there again in verse 9. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in verse 26, top of the next page, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. He says, not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You see, the only thing that really matters 
is that we're called by God. It doesn't matter if we're not wise by human standards. It doesn't matter if we don't have influence, if we're not people of noble birth. In fact, God uses those things for his purposes. Now, the only thing that really matters is whether we've been called by God. Have you been called by God? Today's message really is for those of us who already know that we're God's people, who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. But if you've got any uncertainty in the matter, in fact, if you know that you don't yet belong to God, can I urge you to sort that out as a top priority? It's not too late to join that Christianity Explored course on Thursday evenings. Or if you can't do that, come and speak to me or to a Christian friend. The most important question you could ever ask is, am I called by God? You see, Christianity isn't a pathway to a better life this side of heaven. It's not a method to get what you want out of life, the career you want, or to better yourself, or the perfect relationship. Christianity is offering something far better than those things. A relationship with the God of the universe. Eternal security and satisfaction in the age to come. And freedom from worrying about our circumstances here and now. Paul illustrates his basic message, stay as you are, by referring to two of the really big markers of religious and social status in the culture of the time. In terms of religious status, he says, stay as you are, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. In the Old Testament, a key sign that men belonged to God was to have a small piece of skin trimmed off um, soon after they were born. It was a really important part of their identity as God's people. But the New Testament says that doesn't apply anymore. It's not that they should try to be uncircumcised again. That would be ludicrous. You can't stick that piece of skin back on again. But it means you shouldn't worry about your status from that point of view. It really doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. The only thing that matters, according to verse 19, is keeping God's commands. Even in the Old Testament, God's people were told that circumcision was only ever meant as a sign to point to inner circumcision of the heart, that is submission to God and a desire to please him in everything. So he says to the Christians in Corinth, stay as you are. Don't try and change your religious status through outward actions. The second illustration he uses is slavery. He says in verse 21, were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. So here he qualifies his general rule, stay as you are. He says, if you're a slave and you can gain your freedom, go ahead. You're free, that's a good thing to do. 
But it's not the be-all and end-all. You can live as a slave and a Christian. Because again, all that really matters is that you've been called by God. Verse 22 says that there's a sense in which a slave who belongs to God is really free in Christ in all the ways that really matter. On the other hand, even someone who's not a slave in human terms actually is a slave to Christ in another sense. And so Paul says in verse 23, you were bought at a price, do not become slaves of human beings. We so easily become slaves, don't we? to how other people look at us. We're concerned with our outward status, whether that's our religious status or our social status. And in that way, we become slaves to other people. Not literally, of course. I doubt that any of us are literally slaves today. But we can be slaves to what other people think of us. That's especially the case, of course, with social media. We carefully construct a public image. We curate the things we want people to see. And our status is what we think will impress people. But our status doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter whether we're circumcised or uncircumcised, slave or free. What really matters is where we stand with God. Now, they're the two areas of life that Paul speaks about explicitly in this passage. Circumcision and slavery. But I think that's not really what he's talking about. I think he's really got something else in mind as he speaks about these situations. Something that he doesn't even mention in these verses. I wonder if you can work out what it is. Because right before this section, and then straight away again after it, he's not talking about circumcision or slavery. He's talking about marriage and singleness. We saw last week that he says to his readers that they should stay as you are, whether they're single or married. Can you see in verse 8, of chapter 7. He says, verse 8, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. And then in verse 10, he says, to the married, I give this command, a wife must not separate from her husband. And he says the same in verse 12 onwards, stay as you are, he says. And he's coming back to the subject straight after today's passage. Verse 25, uh, he's going to go on to say now about virgins. Verse 26, because of the present crisis, I think it is good for a man to remain as he is. Stay as you are. And so here today in verses 17 to 24... It looks like he's changed the subject. It looks like he's randomly started talking about circumcision and slavery, topics he doesn't really uh, uh, discuss anywhere else in the letter. But really, he's still talking about marriage and singleness. Circumcision neatly illustrates his basic principle, stay as you are. It's ludicrous to think that you could make yourself uncircumcised after you've had the snip. 
And slavery and freedom, again, make his point very vividly, don't they? Everyone would assume that freedom is better than slavery. And in fact, if we get the opportunity, we should gain our freedom. But actually, he uses that illustration to say, don't let it trouble you, whether you're a slave or free. And so it's just the same whether you're single or married. We can be so easily preoccupied by our circumstances. And I understand that. For those who are single, it can feel like there's real social pressure to marry, real expectation. You can feel like a second-class member of society. You might, you might feel left out. But Paul says, you can stay as you are. Marriage is not the be-all and end-all. What matters is whether you've been called by God. We're going to spend the whole of next week's sermon thinking about singleness and whether it's right to marry. There's lots more to be said. Come back next week. But just the same for those who are married. We can be utterly preoccupied by our marriage, especially if it's not working well. Should I leave him or her? Would I be better off single or even with someone else? But Paul says, stay as you are. Stay married. We saw more on that last week. And you can go back and listen to it online. Our relationship status can be so all-consuming. It can be the thing we lie awake thinking about. It can be what we always want prayer for. It can occupy all our time and attention. But Paul says what really matters is where we stand with God. Have we been called by him? There are lots of other areas that we could apply this teaching to, this principle. We might want to make a change to our bodies. Maybe we think our lives would be transformed if we were a stone lighter, or if we had bigger muscles, or if we had some work done to our nose. We might even think our happiness depends on trying to change sex. And it might be a good idea if we could be a bit more healthy, but otherwise Paul says, stay as you are. What really matters is whether you've been called by God. Some of our church family are applying for asylum status. I know that's a major issue for you and I understand why. I think it's a bit like the slavery and freedom issue. It would be great to gain asylum status. Do it if you can. But don't let it trouble you. Don't let it consume you. The biggest issue is where you stand with the Lord. If you're called by God, you're a citizen of heaven, whether or not you have leave to remain in the UK. Maybe there's some other big rite of passage that you're just longing to go through, to go off to university, to buy a flat, to retire, or whatever it might be. Hopefully you can apply the principle of today's teaching, whatever that situation is for you. But I do just want to um, pick up on one other issue, which is the issue of vocation. The issue of vocation. Maybe you've got a vocations advisor at your school or at your college. Maybe you've been along to a vacation, vocations day. Not the same as vacations. A vocations day. 
or a careers fair where you try to decide what kind of career you're called to. Now that makes sense in a secular world. If you don't have a sense of belonging to God, inevitably you look for something else to give you that sense of status, that significance and purpose in life. For some people it's their relationship, for some people it's their religion, for others it's their career. But that kind of thinking and language has made its way into the Christian world as well. Some Christians from Martin Luther onwards, people like Tim Keller today, have taken verse 17 of our passage to say that we need to find our calling in life, our vocation, by which they usually mean what job we do. And that has led to Christians agonizing and spending all sorts of time and prayers trying to work out what they're called to do with their lives. But do you see the irony? That takes the language of this passage, but it leads to us doing exactly the opposite of what Paul is telling us to do. The call in these verses isn't to a particular status, a particular career or profession. It's the call to the Christian life. And Paul says when we're called by God, it doesn't really matter what job we do, what our status is in life. We just need to look to honour God, whatever our situation. Stay as you are. Now again, I don't think that's an absolute rule. As we grow up and leave school, we have a freedom today that most people back in first century Corinth didn't have, that you would just go into your father's trade, whatever it was. Today we can decide what line of work we want to do. Later on, there might be good reasons for a career change or to apply for a promotion or whatever. But it's not the be all and end all. That's not our calling. No, the real calling is, are you called by God? And if you are, that reduces the significance of every other status, almost, not quite, but almost, to insignificance. This is very countercultural teaching, isn't it? In first century Corinth, just like for us today, everyone assumed you needed to better yourself, to climb the social ladder, to achieve a better status. But when we're called by God, none of that really matters anymore. We can stop obsessing over our circumstances. What really matters is whether we've got circumcised hearts that love and obey God. What really matters is that we're free in Christ to give ourselves as slaves of Christ. What really matters is not whether we're single or married or what job we do or where we live or what our bodies look like. What really matters is how we grow in godliness and serve God, whatever our circumstances. Let's pray that now, shall we? Let's pray. Verse 17 again. 
Paul says, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. We pray, dear Lord God, that we would not be so preoccupied with our circumstances, with our hopes and fears for the future, that it stops us living for you here and now, whatever situation you've called us in. Our Father, we ask for those among us and those known to us who have not yet responded to your call. We pray, our Father, that they would come to call on the name of the Lord Jesus and devote their lives to his service. Father, give us perspective in this world, we pray, through the ups and downs of this present age, so that we would find ourselves with you, citizens of heaven, free in Christ for eternity. Amen. Now look, I realise that might have thrown up all sorts of questions in our world today. We are actually free to make all sorts of decisions about the sorts of things we've been talking about. So without undermining today's message, can I say, if you are in one of those situations where you've got life decisions to make, uh, there is a good book that I can recommend. Uh, it's called Guidance and the Voice of God. This is what my copy looks like. I think the latest, oh, the latest editions look like that. Um, and uh, you can get hold of it very easily. Um, it goes through some of the principles for how Christians make decisions uh, under God, and at the end it works through case studies of church and work and marriage. So do get hold of that if you've got big decisions to make. But don't lose sight of the basic message that what really matters is whether we've been called by God.